1: Hello and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast, episode 126, Sources. So, for those of you on audio, podcast version, this will be a... I'll try and make this very descriptive. Uh, for those of you watching via Patreon, because the this is a video I put up on Patreon for all those who have donated and supported me for the last few years to view, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Sources and about the books that I have What I lean on, what are primary sources, what aren't, uh, why sometimes I focus more on one than the other, and what becomes kind of the main book for certain periods, which there definitely are, because sometimes you want a generalized book uh, that you can kind of refer to, or you want a very specific book that you can refer to. So what I've broken them down into is massive piles on my desk and on my chair here, uh, which you can't see, thank goodness, because it's a mess. And... I'm going to try and bring them up in order. Uh, that might mean some editing on my part just to make sure that this works, but uh, certainly I want to talk about at least portions of each one so you kind of have an idea of what they're about. So first off, and kind of the first book I'll show here, this is one I've shown to the patrons before, or patrons before. Uh, it's called the Celtic Heroic Age, uh, which is literary sources for ancient Celtic Europe and early ireland and welsh sources is basically a collection of written documents that go through from various eras describing the celtic peoples pre-roman and roman so you have early greek sources uh, some of the roman sources and that kind of thing uh so you have all sorts of different descriptions and discussions there's a lot of irish stuff there is some britannic and uh platonic latin sources as well which is nice and it does give you sort of origin stuff um, for the mythology of things like talazin and uh, arthurian legends um, as well as stuff from earlier ages kind of talked about and it's a very good book Uh, it is very much if you're looking for something that's actually going to be something to follow it's not really great for that But if you kind of want some sources to actually read what people were saying in ancient time periods, this is a book that might be of interest to you. Uh, Next is The Blood of the Celts. This is a book which I didn't use lots, but it is an interesting book. It's talking about DNA discoveries and genetics about ancient British peoples. Uh, It is an interesting book, but it's heavily academic, so at times it can get a bit hard to read but it's got good source material it does have photos and so this book has been something i've used uh in a couple of the episodes but it wasn't one that i relied on simply because of that small fact that it's heavily weighted towards specific things so if you're not interested in that and it's not very historical it's useful by far uh next is probably the book i relied on a lot in the early going mostly because it's it is large, um, but also because it actually goes into depth in a number of different things. And it's called Britain Begins, uh, written by Barry Cunliffe. It is an excellent book. I will say, so I should clarify something. This is from Oxford. So to give you an idea, kind of one of the problems I run into here is that sometimes these books aren't accessible to me in Canada easily. The reason for this is price, but also sometimes it just isn't published here. And, and if you want to get up non-published books, sometimes like on Amazon or on like academic sites, sometimes they can cost hundreds of dollars, uh, which is kind of out of my price range. This one on the other hand was 25 pounds retail or 30 bucks American. It's probably about 40 Canadian. So don't know what it is for everybody in Australia and other places, but that kind of gives you a a concept. It is very in-depth. It covers a lot of stuff. Basically, it covers everything from the beginning of Britain right up until the Norman invasion. So it, it has a lot of cool uh, material, talks a lot of archaeology, leans on that, obviously, for the stuff before the Romans come, because let's be honest, there's not a lot of information before the Romans come that is actually uh, documented. So from that perspective, it was a book I leaned on heavily just because of that, and I totally recommend it as a book you can read. It is academic in nature. Understand that that Professor Cunliffe is not writing this to be a a page-turner, if you want to use that terminology. It's more about bringing out a lot of different subject matters, and some of it can be skippable without it hurting the overall readability. I actually found it really interesting. If you're into history, especially early British history, this is a book that I kind of feel like it's kind of mandatory. uh, And it definitely gives you a good background without being boring. Which, not all academic books do that, let's be honest. So, I recommend. Anyway, we'll have a few of those. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Myths and Legends. This is just a book I picked up because it was cheap. Um, just has random stuff in it. More Celtic, some Celtic stuff. Uh, didn't really use it wholeheartedly. But it was interesting to kind of look at. the comparisons to various things. Very colorful book. It was very cheap, like I said. I think I picked it up for five bucks on a sale, so yeah, that's why I got it mostly. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things that I've used. This book, I didn't really use loads, but it is kind of interesting to read, also cheap. Uh, Brief History of the Druids, there's an entire book series called A Brief History, and it has different topics. If you want to read some things like Vikings and Anglo-Saxons and Normans and certain wars and things and you don't want to be bogged down with a lot of information these books are very good because they're generally written by academics first off they're versions that are amended from the original academic books they've written so they're compressed down so they focus in on specific stuff they're easy to read generally and they're small and paperback and cheap which this one was nine quid Like I said, probably picked it up for closer to five bucks. Um, And I know that most of the ones I found were on sale. So I have loads of them. I have the Anglo-Saxon one. I have one on Medieval Times and all that kind of stuff. I don't use most of them for this, but they are very fun to read. Right. Early British history. You gotta have as a source material Tacitus. I actually have one which is his original history of... uh, yeah, here it is. This is the better one. Sorry. So, that one's more of a general history of Rome, so it gives you an idea of what's going on. Not full and complete, and keep in mind Tacitus only lived until the, the beginning of the 2nd century, so he's not going to have a lot of stuff beyond that. Well, he's not going to have anything beyond that, obviously. And there's holes in what he's written, because we don't have it all. Uh, this is probably the better representation if you're British. The book is Agricola... And Germania, I should say that correctly. The Agricola is a book that he wrote dedicated to his father-in-law. It is a book of his uh, governorship of Britain in a period right after conquest, right after the first real rebellions with Boudicca. And it kind of talks a lot about those early days, talks a lot about Welsh tribes like the Ordovais, and those kind of things. So, in the Saluris. So, for me, that's a book that was a mandatory book to read. It was a mandatory book before I even started the Welsh History Podcast. I've read this before then. So, it's a great book. Gives you a lot of information, primary source material, which is nice. And it is cheap because it's a penguin book. So, you can pick this up relatively inexpensively. I got this for 20 bucks in Canada, probably 15 to 10, depending on where you're getting it at and what currency we're talking about. So, penguin books are great as long as you're not looking for a lot of uh, links to the sources, because they don't have loads of that. But if you just want a source book, like, say, Suetonius' The Twelve Caesars, um, this is the kind of book you want, because it's inexpensive. A lot of university students use it. Um, Generally, they're older books. Like, they aren't typically written, like, recently. So there'll be translations, but they might be dated. So if you're looking for the newest translations of things, you might not find it there. But they're still really good. Another kind of mandatory book for early Rome, uh, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, written by Edward Gibbons. This is heavy duty. Uh, in the, I don't think this is the complete version. I think this is an edited version, because I think it's even longer than this. Uh, this is written in the sixth, seventh, sorry, 18th century. Tiny, tiny print in this book. Not very accurate these days. And his thesis was about how Christianity basically destroyed the Roman Empire, which we don't believe anymore at least not wholly so it's kind of the 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 gold standard edition of the first real research into roman history but it's not as accurate as it once was and certainly modern research has changed a lot of what we think about the roman empire and how it came to its end and the history of it so good book if you're looking for sort of an understanding of certain things does cover you know pretty much the whole thing but Don't trust it as the only source. It's not necessarily a great source material. Plus, old, hard to read for that reason, if nothing else. All right, so now we're moving into post-Roman period. And these books are interesting, some of which I picked up through friends of mine actually being in Britain and able to buy them for me and send them to me, because honestly, I wouldn't have gotten them otherwise. In some cases, it's books that I, I picked up via universities, They're not cheap because of that, if you're in Canada, not going to lie. And they're very heavily academic, i.e. this is a secondary source book. It is uh, basically presentations written on Bagan, Bagan, Beyond Godothan, Dark Age, Scotland in Medieval Wales. Uh, The Proceedings of a Day Conference held from 19th February 2005 really interesting book because it gives you a good understanding of where the old north came from and kind of some of the ideas that then migrated into wales because a lot of north wales mythology i would argue comes out of some of the ideas that came here and of course goddoth that epic poem that was written some say around the 6th 7th century is very significant to our understanding of older celtic welsh Brythonic, depending on your word usage, uh, storylines, and ideas. So from that perspective, it's really important. Um, And of course, all academic writing, so you can trust it as a source, and it gives you places to look for things, which is always nice. So in case you're not fully conversant, or you don't really like everything they've said, you can back up what they're saying. Of course, it is very academic, so if you're just sort of like a, you just want to read a good book, probably not the kind of thing you want because it's just topics and it's just random topics because it's a bunch of professors talking on their specific subject matter that they know and it just happens to be under that banner head. Right okay now these are what I call my controversial early middle ages books but one that was very important to me when I first got into Wales actually was one of the first books i read when i was there i remember reading it and i remember being absolutely fascinated and it's written it's called celt and saxon the struggle for britain 410 ad to 937 it's written by peter Bereford ellis and if you listen to the earlier podcast you know i've mentioned this a few times he is a very interesting writer He is very much pro that the the idea of the Celts and the Saxons conflicting was historical and that the establishment of a lot of what we understand from people like Bede and Gildas is actually historical. Um, And everybody's up in arms about what that is and how true it was and all of that kind of stuff. So keep that all in mind. By the way, using a green screen for those of you on video, so my Welsh... My Welsh shirt I'm wearing currently, all the green is gone. It's all black. Okay, here's another book I used a lot because this one actually is one I've recommended to patrons before. I think it's a very good book for somebody just trying to read a bit about Welsh history without necessarily getting bogged down. Again, it starts from the early Middle Ages, and it goes until the Conquest. It's called The Welsh King's Warriors, Warlords, and Princes*. You might written by Carrie Mond, who is a uh, professor in Wales. It is a really good book. Again, a Welsh perspective, which is nice. Uh, it is far reaching, but not that big. And paperback, which if you're wanting to buy a lot of books, that's kind of what you want because they're cheap. If you want books that last, probably not what you want. So this one here was 13 pounds. I think I bought it for about $20 Canadian. Uh, somewhere around there and you can also buy a digital version of it kindle same thing with actually with uh, uh, Britain Begins actually a lot of it I ended up reading on kindle because I actually lost the book for a while and uh, so you can get them on digital copies as well so I recommend kind of checking it out for that side of it because sometimes it can be sort of like uh, it isn't cheaper I'll tell you that much but Books that you might not be able to get at a good price, you might be able to get at least at paperback price, which I guess is the reason why you want it. All right, so now we're on to uh, some of the books that we'll call speculative, at least this one. Uh, Here it is, uh, the Penguin Classic version of Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain. You all know my thoughts on this pseudo-history. It is basically like reading a mythology book, so keep that in mind. A lot of it is not very accurate, so keep that in mind. But it is a book that was incredibly influential on the medieval period. We're talking about Owen Glindor, for example. A lot of the stuff that he professes, a lot of the the prophetic nature of the bards at the time, revolve around the ideas that come out of this book. So keep that in mind that the influence of this book, regardless of its historiography, is massive and it is something to keep in the back of your mind. It will remain historiography for pretty much a better part of 700 years. It isn't until, I would say, I would start to argue the Victorian period, that there really is an effort to sort of hit back at this storyline. And it won't really change until after World War II when people start to realize That the evidence is very different from what he's professing it to be and of course even in his age he was called a liar so it's not like even in his own time he was completely trusted or believed but as always with these kind of things once people die suddenly they become important right so that's that one now we're kind of moving into other things but i just wanted to bring up go back into some some roman things for a second uh We have our ancient Rome, uh, military and political history. This is not real fascinating stuff. But, want to get into it? You can read that. Written by Christopher S. McKay. It's okay. I think he was my professor, if you want to know the honest truth. Uh, Tells you what I remember. So, that's that one. Now, this book, I have read a bit. Um, This is... A bit of an antithesis to uh, some of the books that I've talked about earlier, especially the pro sort of uh, Welsh and specifically not pro Welsh, but pro Celts and Saxons and that kind of thing. Um, This is written by uh, by Guy de la Bordier um, from Time Team fame. If you watch that show at all. Roman Britain and the New History, uh, which is done based on some of the ideas about changes of understanding of how the Romans came and settled and the influence they had on what was here and how much of what we have transferred to there. He does a lot on the Gallic Empire, which I think is really cool uh, and certainly worth reading for that alone. Um, so I would highly recommend that. Uh at factormeals.com/welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
2: Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates.
1: So another book in the medieval period. Now, I have it somewhere. I don't have it here is the Gildas book. Uh, I don't know where it's gone at the minute. I do actually have Gildas's writings on uh, basically the ruin of Britain. Um, I don't have it upstairs. I think it's downstairs. So with that in mind, I will say I have that book. If you really want to understand kind of early 6th century uh, British writing, That's the book to go to. It is really the origin story for a lot of how we understand the historiography of Britain at that time. It is not to be taken um, literally, in some cases. Because, as I've had podcast episodes on this, just the fact that he is preaching to people, he is talking from a religious standpoint, so he's not going to be, you know, someone... And again, he's talking the mythology. I mean, he's where we get Hengist and Horsa and the whole idea that the Saxons came in because of Vortigern. So if you understand that that's something to be taken as sort of within a grain of salt and you're willing to put up with a lot of uh, biblical referencing of Britain as basically Israel and kind of the abomination of desolation and those kind of things, if you know your Bible, uh, it's very much kind of uh, uh Jeremiah-esque type writing. And very prophetic and very much talking about the destruction of Britain. So, you know, that's the name. So going back to my medieval Welsh stuff, here's another academic book. This is written by Sean Davis. He's actually really good. Very in-depth, very academic, and very, very much a heavily weighted document, even though it's not very big. Uh, and I will be honest with you, it is a bit of a slog to read if you're not into the academic side of it. So keep that in mind. It's called War and Society in Medieval Wales from 633 to 1283. Really good if you want to understand how society was constructed and how warfare was constructed in that period. And, uh, but it is very heavy in that. So if you're not into that, it might bore you. I'll, um, so keep that in mind. All right. So, moving on, we'll talk a little bit about this before we move on to more medieval stuff. Uh, One of the listeners actually recommended this to me, and unfortunately these books are really expensive, which is unfortunate because I'd love to have all of them, but they are only sold by the University of Wales, and they run, you know, even there they're like 50 pounds, so you're talking 100 bucks for one book, and it's only about the Gwent County History so it's great. It gives you lots of information. In fact, it was this book that explained to me um, the origin of some of the, the castles, like not necessarily the castle itself, but why the Normans tore down some of the old Roman buildings, uh, specifically on the fact that it was believed that it kind of represented the old Welsh kings and so they would tear down the old admin buildings because of that specifically and build a keep on it more or less to kind of say hey we're here and so this is the gwent county history volume one gwent in prehistory and early history which is it goes into kind of early norman's uh domination but doesn't go much beyond that it is very much archaeology book Because, as we know, there's not a lot of writings in South Wales, Southeast Wales at this time. So we don't have a lot of examples. That's why, if you listen to the early medieval stuff, you're not going to hear a lot about Southeast Wales. Not for lack of trying, but the reality of it is they were conquered early by the Normans. And a lot of their writings and a lot of the the history that they had got torn apart, basically. So we just don't have it. Either that or they just didn't have a lot of people writing. That might also be part of the problem. Right, another book to keep in mind in the early medieval period, something, again, that's a primary source-type document. This is not written to be history. Uh, this is the, and my pronunciation is what it is, the Mab- Mabinagion. There we go. Ooh, I got it that time. This is a translation by synod Davis. Davies, sorry. Oxford World Classic. This is Nine Pounds in Britain. And about 14 bucks in the United States, probably about 20 bucks in Ghana, as that's how it kind of works. This is a English translation of that uh, series of stories. So if you want to talk about early Welsh mythology, it comes out of here, uh, especially early Welsh and sort of post- Britannic. The records that we have of this book are somewhere around the I think the, the first copies are like the 11th or 12th century. So they're later medieval written down, or at least the copies that we have. But they're they're obviously books that came from oral histories, that an oral storytelling which had existed long before. And there's a lot of very much kind of ancient ideas, gods, you know, the, the way they talk. They kind of beg them up as Christian saints, but they're obviously gods. Those kind of things, which I think are important to kind of consider. When you want to talk about source material, you do need to talk about this book. It is incredibly influential, again, to medieval writers, and it does have a lot of interesting stuff in it. I used to actually read some of this to my kids because it was kind of cool. So, yeah, there's lots of good stories in it. I've read a couple actually on the podcast, but there's so much more in here, and there's a lot of Arthur stuff. So if you're into that, this is a place to go. So when I was relying on sort of the early middle uh, period of, I guess I should say, late Welsh history, as far as independence goes. One of the things that I found, and unfortunately the cover has been lost before I found it, is a old book, very old book, this is actually from the 50s, uh, which I found in a used bookstore here in uh, Canada, and it's called An Introductory to the History of Wales, Volume 2, The Middle Ages, Part 1 from 1063 to 1284 by A.H. Williams. I don't know that this book exists anywhere in modern print. Um, it is just a book I found. It's very old uh, as far as the academic side of it is. So if you're looking for something that that's a bit more, includes like modern archaeology or modern information, this might not be the book for you for that. Uh, again, because I found it at a, Uh, a used bookstore it might not be very useful to find but it was actually really useful for me on a couple of pieces of information not a main book i'm getting to the main book it's coming up i will say that the the kings of wales was definitely one i leaned on because it had a lot of different items in it which are kind of key so here's one of the books that i relied on in the middle to late uh welsh independence this is called a struggle for Mastery, which is a Penguin's History of Britain, 1066 to 1284 by David Carpenter. Very, very large book. It flips from Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and England, and it talks about everybody's perspective. So if you're into various perspectives in this period of time, then this is a book for you. Again, written in an academic format with very little tiny writing. But it was very helpful on understanding both sides of the, the battle, if you want to call it that, uh, and was very helpful as I was trying to understand where we were going in the Middle Ages, specifically towards the end of independence. And, and it does talk a lot about various sides and kind of what they want and how they influence uh, the general situation in Wales in that period, especially the the conflict between Henry and Slewellyn, both the great and then eventually the last and Edward the first. So that book was actually really helpful in that respect because it had all those perspectives. And I do kind of recommend that one. Uh, And like I said, it was one of the ones I leaned on. There are actually a few more, uh, some of which I've already shown you one. I don't actually have a a paper copy of, but I actually have one on Suellen, which is where I relied on a lot of his, that writing to sort of understand his kind of viewpoint because it was a much more sort of strongly uh strongly welsh in origin so i'm, I'm just going to look it up here right so the name of the book is swan april prince of wales uh it is written by j beverly smith you will have heard me quote him because he was very influential on a lot of the writings um We talked about Sean Davies. He actually influences a couple of things, including Edward I's Conquest of Wales, which is one of the books I've used of his. And as well, I've used The Welsh War of Independence, written by David Moore. Uh, I'm still using that one because he actually talks about Glyndor. Another book that I've leaned on quite a little bit and probably will go back to again is Welsh Language, A History, written by Janet Davies. That book has been really good at understanding kind of the origins of a lot of Welsh words, the origins of the language and how it came about and how it converged from Brythonic to Old Welsh and then Middle Welsh, and then what we will call Modern Welsh. And we will cover that at some point. And the last little document, well, last couple of digital documents I wanted to cover is the Acts of the Welsh Rulers from 1120 to 1260, or er, 1283. That one is, that one's by Hugh Price. Another academic book. This one is actually just um, mostly laws and different sort of writings, legal codes, and things that were written in the time. So it's source material, but it's not, um, it's not very uh, coordinated in a way that if you're trying to just read from front to back, you're gonna understand what's going on, because uh, he jumps. Historical periods because he talks by kingdom, not by necessarily by that. Uh, also, the Welsh and Wales and the Crusades from 1095 to 1291 by Catherine Hurlock. Again, in that Crusade episode, I used this book quite a lot. The last book I want to bring up is Princess Nest of Wales, Seduction of the English by Carrie Mond, another book by her, and also a very good book and, and assisted me as I was. De- trying to write something about her because I didn't know a whole lot before. So to return to kind of talking about the medieval stuff, uh, another person I'm going to rely a lot on over the next little while is Dan Jones, because he's written a number of books which are very helpful to me. Uh, This one is awesome called The Plantagenets. It talks a lot about uh, Edward and Llewellyn and kind of their conflict, even though it's also about all the other plantagenets up to the end of the line. And it is really, really interesting. Uh, he's really good. Like, if you have an audiobook version, it's even very good. And I'm going to show you one of the ones that I will be using in the future that he wrote, which I actually really like. And it, uh, it's another one that I've leaned on a little bit. Okay, so now we're kind of in a point where we're going to talk about some of the books that are sort of random stuff uh, that I've used now. The other one I should mention before we go too far is uh, Edward I., A Great and Terrible King and the Forging of Britain by Mark Morris. This is a really good book. Uh, It talks a lot about the early life of Edward, kind of how his um, upbringing influenced a lot of his mentality at the time, and kind of how it developed his entire pathos and kind of how hard-headed and why he was the way he was. And really, really good book. Highly recommend that if you want to know about Edward I and kind of his... It it leans much more on him than it does anybody else, so I highly recommend it for that, if nothing else. Uh, Companion for Medieval England from 1066 to 1485. I haven't used this loads. It's an encyclopedia, so if you're looking for just something quick, it can be useful, but Wikipedia can do that too. So, that's up to you. It was one that somebody gave me, I think. And uh, it's it's a nice book, but it's not something I use all the way. uh 1215, The Year of the Magna Carta. This one is great for talking about uh, King John and kind of his situation, especially with Llewellyn the Great, who was his uh, basically his in-law, son-in-law, um, and kind of the end of his line with the Magna Carta. Really interesting worth a read for sure if you're interested in that kind of stuff Uh, another one of these sort of like random books I've found which are kind of helpful is the uh Anglesey the concise history by David Pretty. very thin little book um I think I found this online just a random University of Wales book uh it just has a lot of different stuff on Anglesey going from the early prehistoric times right up till the modern era um so if you're interested in that that's great you don't use a lot of it in the podcast simply because, obviously, it's a very thin book covering a lot of years, so about 2,000 years at minimum of history. So it may not, you know, your, your mileage may vary. Now, one book I, I will talk briefly about before going on, um, simply because, well, a couple of them, I guess, they're more generic uh, rather than specific to Britain in one case and in the other case. Uh, it's basically the Roman invasion of Britain, written by John Petty. History is the greatest
0: adventure story, but does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
1: I bought this book a number of years ago because of my interest in the actual subject matter. This book is hard to read. It is very, very dry. It's very much an academics academics book and unless you're prepared to put the time in to understand everything you're gonna struggle and be honest with you I've not read it since I first bought it uh, because it was so difficult to get through so there's that now to go back to a couple of books which were significant for early Welsh history in in post Roman periods this one actually is the main book I used for probably about a hundred episodes. It feels like, but at least, at least seventy episodes. Uh, it's called Wales and the Britons, three fifty to ten sixty four. So you can understand why. Uh, this is written by T. M. Charles Edwards, a professor of history. It is a big old book. A big old book. Again, very much covers every topic imaginable, from language to money to to culture to church history to just everything and I leaned on this book like crazy in that period and I wish there was another one like it for this period because man alive was it ever useful and I really really love it and I'll be honest with you I miss him I need more of him in my life uh because his his writing is amazing it's a very easy book to read I will tell you bluntly it is super pricey it was over 100 bucks Canadian Um, but it is an academic book from the University of Oxford, so it's not for everyone. So if you're looking for a a readable book, that's definitely readable. If you're looking for an inexpensive readable book, that's not your guy. I will actually talk about one in a minute. Uh, Another one that I've leaned on again, uh, same period, Britain After Rome by Robin Fleming. This is a relatively new book. uh, The Fall and Rise from 400 to 1070. Uh, Really good book um didn't lean on it as much it talks a lot more about modern archaeology and modern finds and that kind of stuff and it delves into as much that as actual like written documents so really good book really interesting a little bit more affordable not gonna lie it's a penguin book which means they're generally more affordable i think i found this in a local shop instead of amazon which to be fair most of these books have either come from the university of wales press or Amazon. Right. <clears throat> Moving on. All right. So we got a couple of books here that I wanted to mention, and they're different for different reasons. One is uh, "Be the Ecclesi- Ecclesiastical History of the English People" source book. I've talked a lot about this. So I'm not going to go over it too much. I've done an entire episode on it on the podcast critical source material written by a 7th century cleric living in northern England, very much biased in his writings, much like Gildas, so you have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. But very interesting book, very unique, and gives us names, dates, and places for a lot of things, which most of which are verifiable. So in that respect, he's very useful, and he gives you a very good understanding of the politics and warfare and Kind of the angst of that period of english history with some smatterings of welsh history mixed in
2: specifically
1: of course the dealings with uh gwyneth and the invasion of northern england by cadwaller all right last book from the early middle ages i want to chat about um this book is interesting because i think it does a really good job of kind of refuting some of the stuff that that we talk about with Arthur. I, again Another book that I've used quite extensively during the Arthur episode, and it's called from Guy Hassel, The Worlds of Arthur, Facts and Fiction of the Dark Ages. And he's not writing this from the perspective of somebody who believes Arthur as a king or wants to believe the legends. He's very much talking about what's going on in that period of time, why some of this may be accurate and why a lot of it isn't. Very interesting guy. Worth a read. It is not a very big book and not very expensive, surprisingly. 11 pound in Britain and 25 bucks in the United States, probably 30, 35 bucks in Canada. And uh, it's pretty good. And it includes a lot of archaeology, a lot of photos and drawings and things. So I would highly recommend it if you want to get into the Arthurian period in an academic format, as opposed to sort of like the legend of Arthur and where to find him uh, type of stuff. This is the Board of Celtic Studies, University of Wales, uh, version of the Chronicles of the Princes, the Penarth version, um, which is considered the most accurate version of the book, translated by Thomas Jones, and it is an English-language version of the Chronicle of the Princes, uh, and I'm mangling this in Welsh, so my apologies already, Brut uh, i to use, in, uh, I used to pronounce this better, and I'm awful now. It's been so long since I've even practiced that name. Uh, it is a writings written probably around the 9th century initially that were carried on beyond that, kind of like the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. So this book, old book, um, which I picked up because I couldn't afford a new translation. There are new translations out there. But effectively, this does talk about on a year-by-year basis, going up past the conquest, uh, the history of Wales, uh, written initially for the kings of Gwyneth. Uh, So it will have a Gwyneth perspective on things, for sure. But it is one of the few documents that we have written from a Welsh perspective that chronicles that period of Welsh history. So if you want to know sort of mid to late Middle Ages, this is your book, and it actually starts at a point where historically we know it's talking from present point. So it is a book that's definitely a key book if you want a source material book from Welsh medieval history from before the conquest. One thing I wanted to talk about before we go far away from the, the post-independence era, uh, let's talk about Gerald of Wales and the journey through Wales and the description of Wales. This is a Penguin Classic book that I have Uh, I got it used. It is $20 Canadian, $17 US, probably lower than that. And that was, I don't know when this was bought, so I couldn't tell you. Good book, if you want to read some more source material. Penguin has a lot of source material books for relatively inexpensive, as I said before. So you will want to kind of lean on that a bit. If you're writing history books, or you want to be able to write an academic article, you're going to want to know where to find them, and that's a couple of books that you want to lean on for that. Now, let's talk about one other book here, which, again, is a heavily academic book, so keep that in mind. So if you're looking for something kind of an easier read, this is probably not your your beast. Uh, the Political Power and Medieval Gwynedd: Governance and the Welsh Princes by David Stevenson. Excellent book. Uh, used it quite a lot at points because of how important it was to understanding especially the period of the conquest and just before it, because it's very focused on Swell and the Last and Swell and the Great. Uh, it is not before that because we don't have enough written records to come up with what on earth was going on when it, at that time. Very good book, very important um, academic book, but it is and can be a complicated thing to read through. But I do like it. And again, because I had to get it from Britain, because this is actually a University of Wales press. It is pricey if you're not in Britain. So more general books to talk about and books I've leaned on for different things. One is the Cambridge Medieval Textbook called Medieval Wales by David Walker. This is a, like I said, textbook, small, I got it used, so it was cheap, but I don't know how expensive it would be Uh, because of that, I'll be honest. So that kind of ends the period before where we're at in the current um, timeline. There are probably a few other books I haven't mentioned that I don't remember, and there are academic documents which I've used because I have a lacking in some areas, and those I don't have a list of here, uh, but there are some I've leaned on for various things. They will be something I will lean on occasionally when I don't have enough source material, there is a couple of websites that are worth checking out for that. And I might talk about them in a later date. But for now, uh, these are the books... I will specifically actually bring up this one first. The Rise and Fall of Owen Glyndor, England, France, and the Welsh Rebellion in the Late Middle Ages. This is written by Gideon Brough, or Brough. I could be saying that wrong. Um, He is really, really interesting. I have relied on him for a lot of this... Last few 20 ish episodes. His is a very good book and it's not expensive. Hard copy. I know there's probably a paperback now. Really, really good. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Another one, and now this book I will say I found when I was in Wales in 2011. And this copy I've had ever since then. And it is Terry Breverton's Owen Glyndur The Last Story or The Story of the Last Prince of Wales. This is a smaller, very readable book. Um, It includes some source material as well as just general talking about Welsh history and is a very good book if you sort of want to just quickly read through Owen Glendor's story. It is the other book I refer to a lot. I have other sources that I'm using, but those are the main ones because they give me a lot of information specific. And like I said, Gideon's, uh, Professor Burroughs, book in particular is very very in-depth and very very good and there are times when i want to go off track on his writings and i'll go look up stuff elsewhere there's been a couple of websites i've leaned on for that um because there are some websites to talk about different things other than just uh on stuff so and as well um dan jones has a couple of books which have been very helpful so also this is kind of again one of those books that's kind of mandatory if you're starting out john Davies' uh history of wales this book is in paperback i've got a big old heavy hardback because i got it used and it was cheaper uh but it is a very good book the current book is up to date this is an older book so it's not as up to date on current stuff but it goes through the entire history of wales big old book but if you want to know the whole history, it will give you a general background on everything. Now we're going to talk about stuff that is post that, that I've collected so far. I will say I have one book that I don't have in the collection at the moment, which is out in my car, um, because I've been reading it while I've been on the road. Uh, And it is uh, to do with the uh, rise of the Tudors, and specifically the battle which Henry VII wins, which allows the Tudors to rise to the kingdom. But, In the meantime, let's talk about, let's start over here. So, okay. So the other books I wanted to talk about were post Owen Glindor, because of course we've got to look at stuff that comes afterwards and kind of get knee-deep in the woods of that. This is probably going to be the main book I'll start to rely on, which is The History of Wales, Volume 3, Recovery, Reorientation, and Reformation, Wales, circa 1415 to 1642 by Glenor Williams. This one is, I think, a follow-up of the, the old 50s book that I have. Uh, it will at least allow me to kind of have a general understanding of what's going on in Wales at the time. Something I didn't have till recently, so I'm very happy about that. And it will be the basis of stuff that we're talking about for that. I've also got this book by Dan Jones, uh, Hollow Crown, which is The War of the Roses and the Rise of the Tudors. This is a book which I've actually listened to uh, previously. Uh, as an audiobook, but I actually have the proper book as well. Really good book. I really enjoyed listening to it, and he is very engaging. So, highly recommend that. Also, War of the Roses, England's First Civil War, by Trevor Royal. <clears throat> the reason why this is important for y'all, and as we get further towards this, so you understand, it is important because the Tudors are, of course, Welsh in origin. So, we're talking about a line to the Welsh king or Welsh kings, that starts from there and goes into the uh, English kings and the French monarchy and becomes significant during the War of the Roses and is key to bringing down Richard III and creating what we call the Tudor kingdom. So we're going to talk a lot about that because of how important that is. So the other books that I sort of have that are post that, They're mostly textbooks that I found so far. They're just general understanding books. And this one will be good because it kind of covers a similar period to the other book. Uh, This is History of Wales, 1485 to 1660 by Hugh Thomas. Very thin book. Haven't read any of it yet, so I don't know how good or bad it is. I am going to start reading it shortly. And then one that's for later because I haven't been able to find more between the 17th century and the 19th century. I have History of Wales, 1815 to 1906 by Gareth Evans. I'm going to look for more of these, uh, hopefully soon. These are the kind of books that I want because they give me a general understanding and I can then branch out from there with other source material, which is key when you're trying to do this stuff. And there's going to be... The source material will explode after the 1800s and that will become a problem (laughs) because... I think at that point we're going to have to branch out into subject matter as opposed to like, you know, specific. So the goal and the idea being is that we'll turn over from being strictly about uh, a progressive kind of idea of from zero to 100 kind of history to more topical history. Talking about things that have interest and that will range in different ways because once we get above the period of say 1600 there are now numerous sources that branch off many many different ways we're going to talk about things like uh the settlement of pennsylvania by welsh settlers the establishment of religious movements and the participation of the welsh population in founding some of these movements in driving some of these movements forward in the way that uh mining of coal works and has worked and in order to talk about that you they're very broad subject matter. so you're not going to spend you know simply half of an episode talking about a little bit about a coal mine in 1832 and then not talk about coal mines again until 1838. I want to be able to just take that subject matter and run with it so we will kind of maneuver to that probably after the Tudor period and kind of move more into that kind of structure. That's a ways to go. As you all know, we're still in the Owen Glyndor period. That's at least another 10 episodes away from being finished, I suspect. I don't really know. But either which way, with that being the case, we're still a long way down the road from where we want to be. But don't worry, we're going to get there. And I can't wait for y'all to hear all of this and... And I can't wait to look into more of it and have a better opportunity to study even more and to be able to talk more about more modern things. We are going to end this podcast at 2,000. I see no reason to go beyond that. Once you go into that, that's current events, not history. And I like to shy away from that. So we will end the podcast at, at 2,000. But by the same token, there's so many different subjects you can talk about this podcast could go on for quite a while still to come. So don't worry, it's not going to end like tomorrow. Um, I mean, it's taken us this long to get to 14.05. So with that in mind, I want to thank you all for listening, in this particular case, from the patrons, for watching this video, for being a part of this podcast, for contributing to this podcast success, be it through emails, and through various social media platforms, through contacting me via so many different ways, suggesting so many different things, having so many different ideas that you want to put forward, correcting my pronunciation, which I don't always get right, obviously, or hardly ever, uh, and being a part of this, because I think this has been something of a surprise to me and how it is grown, and largely with only a mild amount of effort on my part to try and make it grow initially. And so I want to thank you guys for sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family, with strangers, and making it so much bigger than it was. And without you guys, I wouldn't have this massive mound of books that I have to read to understand and do all of this work. And realistically, I am so grateful for that, and I'm so grateful for all of you. And especially, I want to say a specific thanks to my patrons who have been investing in this podcast, because it is an investment. And I can tell you that I have very much appreciated it, but I, I'm overwhelmed, really, by all of the generosity that you've all given me. And thank you very much. And with that, I want to end the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. You can find everything we do at distractionsmedia.com. You can find me on Twitter at Welsh History Pod or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Welsh History Podcast or on you know any number of things under the name Linstead DM on Twitter, on Twitch, on Instagram, and many other places and uh be sure to check those things out as well as that's not always talking about you know welsh history it goes on into a lot of other things and i'm more conversant on that simply because i have more to talk about on that but thank you guys appreciate your help appreciate your love and support and uh thank you once again goodbye
0: been at distractions media production and for everything we do check out distractionsmedia.com hello this is gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the french history podcast our main show covers the history of france from the first humans until present if you liked mike duncan's the history of rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty culture and love we are exactly that